Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. everybody, Craig Cuddle, Director of Nature Reliance School here for another podcast. Good to be with you. Man, we've got a good one, I think, today. This is one of those times where uh, we we basically search out on a regular basis and talk to people at classes. We talk to people on our Facebook group and what have you. What kind of things are you interested in hearing and seeing on our videos and on our podcast? And uh, recently, I asked the question on our Facebook community group, the Nature Reliance School community group on Facebook, hey, if you could ask three things about the work that we do at Nature Reliance School or maybe my experiences, what would you like to hear? And man, there's some good ones. We got a lot of good things that we're going to be bringing your way as it relates to uh, the podcast and videos and all the things that we do at Nature Reliance School. But but the first one I wanted to do comes from my friend Eric Comley. If you don't know Eric Comley, number one, we've interviewed him. I'll link that uh, podcast down below as well. But uh Eric's just a good dude. He's a good dude to me personally. He's taught me so much personally. Uh, we've gone out in the woods at least once, twice, him showing me stuff. Just, man. Uh, he was my, one of my instructors at Master Naturalist Training. Just an all-around good dude. He's going to be teaching uh, with me at Nature Immersion this year, and I'm looking forward to that because I love learning new things and all that kind of good stuff, and I'm really looking forward to working with Eric. With that said, Eric's a, Eric's a good dude, and he asked the question, what are three memorable non-hunting moments with wildlife? And I kind of went back to him and said, hey, man, can I talk about stuff that happened to me while I was hunting? And he said, he said yeah, sure, whatever. So uh, it, it's a good question. I've got some really memorable things that have happened to me with wildlife over the years. Most of them have happened when I'm hunting because when I was younger, uh, most of my time in the woods was spent hunting or backpacking, hiking. And so I've got uh, a range of things that I've seen and an experience that I love sharing, and I hope you find some enjoyment of these as well. Now, none of these are going to be about me harvesting animals, so if you're a non-hunter, don't worry about it. But if you are, you know what I mean. There's just some things that you see while you're hunting that are just, I don't know, you just don't see them at other times. It's kind of interesting. So with that said, uh, let's talk about three of these things that have happened while I was literally in the deer stand hunting, but... They don't have anything necessarily to do with the hunt, if you will. But the first one 
was uh, I, I li- I'm like a lot of deer hunters. I go to the stand real early in the morning before daylight, and and because of that, there's all kinds of things that are going on in the woods that you just literally cannot see. And I remember I was I was had climbed up about halfway up this really steep embankment, and there was a deer trail that I was basically had set my deer stand up above, and I was going to hunt that that trail because I'd been tracking and I knew that they were utilizing this trail pretty regular. The interesting thing about this particular spot is that from where I sat in the stand, I was looking out into a huge, huge bottom that overlooks the Kentucky River. And because of that, I could also skyline a lot of the trees that were in front of me because basically, again, I'm overlooking a steep embankment. So I'm basically looking out into sky. And so it's that first morning light. And I don't know what caused me because these critters hardly ever make any noise, but I, but I was kind of huddled down. It was cold. And I remember being pretty cold, kind of had my neck down in my coat and all that kind of good stuff. And as I, I feel something, I, maybe I heard something, I don't know. But anyway, I looked up and right as I looked up in the skyline, I could see the outline of, I mean, as clear as day, a, uh, great horned owl flying right at me. And I say great horn because it has the, basically the tufts of feathers that are on the head and I could see it just, I mean, as plain as day, all I could see was literally a black outline and it was coming right at me. And when I see it, it's probably, I don't know, 10 feet from my face. And all I had time for was to basically just duck my head, close my eyes and put my head down and it was so close to me that it came by and its wing literally brushed across my face as it went past me. Now, I don't really have any idea what this thing was doing. It must have thought that some part of me was a critter on the side of the tree. I don't think it thought the whole thing that I was was a critter uh, because it, you know, they don't typically go after animals that are much bigger than them. But in this particular instance, this I, I remember having this brush up against my face, and I could, man, I I can feel it right now as I'm telling you this story. It was wild. But anyway, went on, flew on by me. Where it went, I don't know. I was kind of freaked out there for quite a while. But that was one of the first stories that I wanted to share with you from the deer stand. Number two was a story. Uh, if you ask my son about this story, he'll tell you that it's one of the funniest things we've ever seen in the woods together. But we're there, we're deer hunting, and this is before he's old enough to hunt on his own here in Kentucky. I can't remember what the age is, but there's a certain age that if you're, uh, if a child's using a, particularly a rifle, you have to be basically within arm's reach of them. So there's this poplar tree that I like to hunt out of, and uh, it just, it's just situationally a place, place perfectly so that you can um, just put two tree stands in it, and it's just perfect to be able to hunt there because the deer travel through the area, number one. Obviously, that's why you go deer hunting. And number two, in a situation where I need to be right real close to Zane, my son, then I'm within arm's reach of him. So we're both sitting there, and just like a lot of deer hunters, we're sitting there watching squirrels, and these squirrels are out in front of us, and they're playing, they're doing their thing, and they get to chasing each other. It's two gray squirrels. And they're going up a tree, down a tree, going around the tree. Those of you who've been spent much time in the woods, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just doing their squirrel thing. And both of us are sitting there staring at these squirrels, just kind of taking it in. 
and one of the squirrels goes around the side of the tree. The other one comes up the tree. And so basically, if you can visualize this, one of them's on one side of the tree, one of them's on the other. Tree's only about, I don't know, probably six to eight inch tree. Can't even remember what species it was right now. But the squirrel that's on the opposite side of the tree from where we're from, we can't see it. We can just, we just know it's there. Comes around and just as it comes around, the one that's coming up the tree that's on the side of the tree that we're on just reaches up and just, I don't know what else to tell you, but it just slapped this other squirrel as hard as it could slap it and knocked it literally out of the tree. I mean, I hate to, you know what I'm talking about, that sort of slap, just whack, just slapped the squirrel and it went flying off into the Neverlands, out into the woods, and then they went chasing after each other again. It's kind of funny. It was really funny. Um, story number tr- three is one of the most, probably one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in the deer stand. I got to tell you that right now. And it did involve a deer and it did involve a deer that I could have shot. And after seeing what happened, I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. It was just such a fascinating sight. So the area that I do or have done a lot of deer hunting in is an area that's like a lot of area here in Kentucky, it's basically farmland with wilderness areas up around it. And there's cattle farms all surrounding this particular farm. And as we're, as I'm sitting there, this is when I was younger, probably not too far older than what I was just describing. Zay. I'm probably, man, probably 16, 17 years old or something. This is one of them things that happened to me real young and I just will not ever forget. So this particular hunt, there was a, I was on a, totally different section of the farm that we've been hunting on for years. And I hunted in this small section. Nobody ever wanted to hunt it there. And I, and I, man, I busted a lot of deer in that area. And so there was a long, very, very long hollow that I was looking down. I could probably look down through the woods and see, man, from that spot, I probably see a good 200 yards down through the woods. And I'm not the type to take a shot that, that far. Um, specifically considering that down at the under end of that holler, there's a house way down through the trees and everything. And I just don't, there's no way I could hit it. There's too many trees in the way, but I just would not take that risk anyway. Um, but I'm looking down this holler and for those that are not from Kentucky, a holler is what we call a hollow or a ravine or a valley or something of that nature here in Kentucky. So, uh, hang with me on that. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. And I see on this deer trail that I'm basically watching, I see a deer coming from a long way away and she's running pretty hard. It's a doe and I can hear a beagle barking behind it, which means a beagle's running the dog. And so I'm watching and 
it, it's really upsetting to me. I don't like it when dogs run deer. That really upsets me. And so I'm sitting there watching this whole thing go down, and the deer's coming right at me. And she gets, I don't know, probably 30 yards from me, what have you. And she's basically coming right up, a, you know, a deer tr- corridor, a deer travel area. And just You could tell. I mean, it's a deer trail. And so she gets really close to me, again, about 30 yards, and I see her squat down. And at first I'm thinking she's pooing or peeing or something because, you know, they kind of have a squat look to them when they're going to defecate or urinate. And I noticed that she squatted down really low. I thought she was going to lay down. Uh, I thought she was going to lay down on all fours and just whatever. I didn't know what she was doing. I thought he maybe killed her or run her out of breath or anyway, she squatted down. And just about the time I thought she was going to lay down, she jumped straight up into the air and over. Okay. Maybe I should drive, describe this a little bit. The trail that, that I'm describing is on the side of a hill. Okay. So she jumps straight, well, not necessarily straight up, but she jumps up the air, up into the air and up the hill, maybe 10 yards, maybe 10 yards. And there's a tree there. And then she takes about two steps and she's kind of behind the tree. I mean, this is a tree that, uh, you know, three quarters of this deer is still standing out from outside of this tree. So I watch and the beagle comes running right up her trail. I mean, he is dead on her, and he's on this deer trail, right? So he comes running, he or she, I don't know if it's a male or female dog, comes running right up this trail, right when it gets to where the deer jumped, just keeps running because it's on the trail, right? And just keeps running right past it. And as it runs past it, it gets about, I don't know, a good 20, 30 yards yeah, probably farther than that, 20 or 30, 40 yards from from where the deer jumped. The deer slowly makes her way back down to the trail, turns and goes right back where she came from. Now, think about that for a second, because a lot of people would look at these critters and don't think they have problem-solving skills. And I'm just telling you, that deer was problem-solving in its head. It knew what the dog was going to do. It basically let the dog run right past it, and when it ran past it, it went back the other direction. The dog, the beagle, lost the scent and was basically all around me trying to scent the deer and never did find it and then went on its way on up the hill. And the deer had gone by that time by a long ways. Really, absolutely one of the most fascinating things I've seen wildlife do in a long time. Man, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I've got a bunch of these. Maybe I need to do two or three of these stories. So, uh, two or three of these podcasts with different stories. I'm thinking about another one where I saw a coyote. I basically watched a coyote climb a tree to go after a wild turkey. But anyway, I won't tell that story. I'll do that later. The next one I wanted to tell was um, probably if if you could draw a if I could draw a painting of anything I've ever seen in the outdoors, I'd want to be able to paint this particular scene. I was out doing my morning walks. This is long before I've got the dog that I've got now. I was actually out by myself. I didn't have a dog with me. And I was walking up this small little holler. And as I was walking, I saw something slightly move out of the corner of my eye, corner of my eye. Now, one of the things that I've learned through the years about viewing wildlife in particular is that If you're walking and you see wildlife and you stop to look at them, then they'll run off almost every time. 
So it's a pretty difficult thing for those that want to take a lot of photographs or something like that. But but for me, I was just out walking. And if I get to see wildlife, great. And if I didn't see wildlife, great. You know, I mean, it's just one of them things I was out um, getting to get some exercise in. So as I walk up through there and I see this, whatever it was out of the corner of my eye, I kind of look over and I notice it's a fox. And I don't see foxes very often. It's a pretty remarkable thing for me to be able to see a fox in the outdoors because they're just... I think they're gorgeous animals. I think they're pretty, pretty good at what they do in the woods. Um, I'm assuming they're, they're pretty good because I don't see them very often. I see nearly all critters pretty regular anymore. I don't see fox tracks very often. And this fox was basically just sitting on this, this big tuft mound, whatever you want to call it, of moss. Real, you, you know, the kind that I sit down on to rest when I'm needing to rest because they're so soft. It's like sitting on a pillow. And I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be walking pretty much right next to it. And I keep, I think to myself, just keep walking. So I keep walking. I continue walking on and I walk right past it. And the fox, and I'm talking when I walk past and I'm talking, I wasn't 10 feet away from this thing and walked right past it. And then I thought, I wonder if it's injured. You know, I'm thinking maybe. Maybe it's caught in a trap or something. There were no traps that I'm aware of on this farm because it's a farm that I'm familiar with. But I thought maybe it's hung up in a trap and I can get it out of the trap or something, you know. So I turned to look back and it's still sitting there and it stands up. It's not in a trap. It's just looking at me. And we, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like I was talking to it and it was talking to me. And I know you all are going to think that sounds crazy, but. It was almost like we were looking at each other like out of respect or something. Ah, yeah, It's really hard to explain what was going on here. But I remember thinking, you know, I don't want to bother you. And he's he's like, I don't want to run off from you. That's kind of the what I got the feeling of. And anyway, I kind of just waved at it and I walked on. And I looked back later and it was still standing there for quite a while. And then I looked back a little bit later on and it was gone. It had taken off and moved on about its way. I still to this day don't know uh, if if it was just tired and hanging out there. I saw a video recently on social media where somebody walked up on a fox that was just sleeping in the middle of a field. And this guy reached down and petted and it kind of woke up and then it took off. I mean, it was a, it was fine. It was just sleeping. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe that's what I ran over. Uh, I ran, ran right up into this fox doing its thing just out out in the woods sleeping, so I, I really don't know. Um, two more stories for you. One's about a rabbit, one's about a bobcat. The rabbit, now at Nature Blind School, we teach a course called Scout Tracker Course, and Scout Tracker is where you study tracking, obviously, and the scout portion of it is where you basically learn camouflaging. You learn how to hide, you learn how to see people that are hiding from you and stuff of that nature. So uh, one of the first classes that I ever took where I was a student, I took with... Uh, Richard Cleveland and Tom Laskowski down in North Carolina. And Tom Laskowski's from Midwest Native Skills Institute. Richard Cleveland runs Earth School. Uh, really nice gentleman. They run a uh, they run a pretty good scout tracker class. And they, they basically teach it outside of that, uh, that Tom Brown methodology, if you will. A lot of that goes on in that class. It's kind of interesting. And um, in, I won't give it away what we had to do in that class, but the first night, we were required to just spend the night outside and we were on our own and we didn't have, basically we didn't have very little minimal supplies. 
And one of the pieces of kit that I took with me was a small military poncho. And so I actually set the poncho up. Uh, I climbed up underneath a, a really sh- um, pretty, it was probably about an eight foot in the outer dimension diameter of the, the crown of a eastern red cedar tree. And I crawled up underneath there because I knew that would shed a lot of water. And then I set the poncho up, basically tied it off to the tree and in like a wedge or a plow point or whatever you want to call it. And so basically my upper body from the waist up was underneath the tarp and the rest of me was completely, completely out in the rain because it rained all night long. It was wild. And I was so tired from the things that I've been doing all day. And again, I don't want to give it away because they teach a great class down there. But I was so tired that I was just, I was completely 100% just laying on the ground and my my bottom half was soaking wet and I was sleeping like a champ. I mean, like a champ. I was, I was out. So something, I don't remember what it was, sound or a feeling woke me up and I woke up and I could feel, I could feel somebody looking at me. You know, the feeling where you get out in the woods or even when you're driving, you pull up next to somebody and you can feel them looking at you, that kind of thing. I get this feeling. I had a headlamp on. And I turned on my headlamp, and when I turned on my headlamp, underneath that poncho with me was a rabbit, like an eastern cottontail rabbit. And I'm looking at it, and it's looking at me, and it's it's kind of one of those moments similar to the fox. It's like, hey, man, I'm not going to – I mean, it's like this rabbit saying, hey, man, I'm not going to bother you. If you don't bother me, let me hang out here and stay dry for a while. <laughs> so I really don't know what this rabbit was doing. But I turned my headlamp off and went back to sleep. And went back to sleep with rabbit underneath there with me. And uh, I don't know. I I never heard it leave. I ended up falling asleep. And I guess it left after I uh, fell back asleep, right? I don't know if it stayed there the rest of the night with me or what. But nevertheless, that was the night I got to share a poncho with my friend, Mr. Eastern Cottontail Rabbit. Now, the last one, you all, I've written a blog about. And I don't know if it's on our current website or not. But I wrote this blog years ago for I think Dan's Depot. Uh, I don't know if it was Dan's Depot and I've told this story a bunch of times, but one time my dad and I were going grouse hunting up into the Daniel Boone National Forest, which is around Cave Run near Moorhead, Kentucky. And we had just parked the car. And if you don't know what grouse are, grouse are basically a somewhere around a pheasant sized um, bird that lives in wilderness. Typically they like really thick, um, early successional growth forest stuff that's real thick. Uh, as my friend Joe Lacefield shared when I interviewed him recently, if you can stand in some wooded area with your arms outstretched and move around and not hit trees, grouse don't like that kind of stuff. They like the thick junk. So where I always hunted grouse in this area is where loggers would go in and log an area sometimes either uh, clear-cutting it or what have you, and then two or three years later, it would be really grown up and thick. And there was always old logging roads that would go through there, and I would get on those logging roads, and I would hunt right up through them. That way I could walk through them. And uh, I had pretty good success jumping grouse. I didn't have real good success uh, getting grouse because I never hunted with dogs. It was always, if you've never hunted grouse and they come off the ground, it's, uh, I call them, and a lot of people call them thunder chickens because it sounds crazy when they come off the ground. It's it's pretty alarming. But nevertheless, I'm going pretty much 
I would say I'm going at a 75 or 80% slope going up this hill to go where I'm going to go hunt. Uh, the parking where we parked, he, my dad took the easy route, went up a different direction. And I, we were going to basically go out these two different logging roads. He was going to go out a ridge. I was going to go out a ridge and then we're going to meet in the middle and then decide what we were going to do after that. So I went straight up this hill to, to go to this part of, uh, part of the national forest where we were going to hunt. As I'm climbing this hill, I get finally to the top. You know what I'm talking about when you, you're, you're burning calories, you're starting to sweat already, you just started, you're out of breath. And I, I was, I don't know, I was probably mid-20s, 30s or something when this happened. And I get to the top and I'm just sitting there catching my breath and I hear something above me. And I start to tilt my head back so I can look up. And when I do, I see a bobcat coming through the air, getting ready to pounce directly on my head. And just like I mentioned earlier with Al, all I had time for really was to basically just duck my head. And then it just hit me like, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks, guys, and gals. I'm telling you, it hurt. Um, the only thing I can figure, the moment, the moment that I got to see it and make eye contact, and you know what I'm talking about. This is like a millisecond, right? But you try to read so much out of those situations in that millisecond. I'm thinking that the thing jumped out of the tree thinking I was something else and halfway through the air realized, oh, crap, this is not what I thought it was because it was like it was coming through the air trying to to basically put the brakes on in the air and there was no brakes to be had. It pounced into my head, bounced off of me and then took running off out into the woods. I can see I can see that bobcat to this day. So, Mr. Eric Comley and you others that find wildlife stories interesting, those are five stories for you. Foxes, deer, owls, squirrels, rabbits, bobcats. Got a few more. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you've got your own stories. Uh, if you don't, I hope it gets you outside so you can find your own stories and do your own thing as it relates to being in the outdoors. And we greatly appreciate you listening to us here on the podcast. If you have any questions, just shoot us a podcast or an email at podcast at naturealliance.org. And we'd love to have you join us sometime. We'd love to have you join us sometime for an in-person class. Or if you're somewhere in the world where you can't get to us, then join us online because we've got some online courses as well. Links for both of those will be found below. So as always, with Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Line School, come on, join in. Let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blinds School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.